Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, and welcome to another episode of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I'm your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I'm a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You, LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. Welcome again to another episode, and this episode this evening is entitled Mission to Provide Essentials in the Now. And we're going to be talking about mission work. And that's something that's very important because it's still necessary, even though we're in a time of pandemic. And so we want to dive right in and I want to introduce my very special guests that are joining me today. And as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves at this time. Hello, my name is Luther Francois. I'm the CEO of the Tome Foundation, and we are... Uh, doing essential work in Haiti and different countries. Okay. I'm Gerard Raymond. I'm vice president of the Tone Foundation. I assist and help carry out some of the mission tasks and get things that the people need um, over in, in, in Haiti. All right. And uh, I must say, initially, if you'll notice, he said his name is Gerard Raymond and the vice president of the Tone Foundation is also my husband. So I'm excited to have him here. And Luther is his cousin. And as he mentioned, they are members or we all are members of the Tome Foundation. My husband and I are um, board members. And of course, as Luther mentioned, he is the CEO of the Tome Foundation. Now, it's, the, it's T-O-M-E. And tell them what that stands for, Luther. T-O-M-E staff to offer more essential. And mm-hmm. that's what we do. We offer essential places in need. Yes. And right now we are currently working in a town called Bellinger, Haiti. And that's where we've been doing a lion's share of our work. The Tome Foundation started in 2019. And uh, we have been taking trips there to help the people in Haiti. And this was something that we were doing prior to the pandemic. And tell them a little bit, Luther, about what we were doing there uh, when we initially started our work in Bellinger. Okay, when we first started off in Bellinger, we started off um, reaching out to the, finding out more information at the school system, see what the school need. And so uh, we didn't have as much support that we needed. So we did get enough to um, support one school with backpack and getting ready for um, the return back of the school season. And as the, as the pandemic uh, entered and with uh, COVID-19 started spreading all over different countries. So we started to distribute, distribute uh, masks in Haiti and Belanger and was doing temperature reading. And we also provided the school with a temperature gauge for uh, they can thermometer, I mean, and to check the kids' temperature and uh, provide them um, with different um, uh, uh, information about what to look for when uh, if if someone had COVID or what's the symptom are and how would they go about um, treating it or um, keeping um, uh, uh, distance from each other from that uh, yeah, stages. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's what we did. He, we, we did do a lot of work there initially. Like you said, we did a lot of uh, temperature readings and, and masks and, and uh, you know, providing uh, backpacks for the children. Those were things that were essential, you know, during the time once the pandemic hit. And uh, um, Gerard, if you can tell us, you know, how did we get involved in, in, in helping out with the Tone Foundation and what have been some of the things that we've been doing to assist? Um, well, personally, um, myself and, and you, we've gotten um, involved with the Tap Foundation through Luther. You know, he explained to me some of the things he was he was um, up to, and Luther reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, Kim seems like she's you know well organized, good person, personable, has a vision um, similar to what." what he had and he just kind of reached out to me and said, do you think that would be a good fit? And I said, yeah, of course, and run it by her. And, and of course, so from that point, it was, it was this kind of a, a seamless connection where we all just kind of jumped on board because we do see the need uh, for, to help others. Uh, Kim was already doing help with the church she was, she was part of. And me, I've always had a helping and kind spirit to look out for others. So we got involved there. Um, it was pretty, like I said, it was pretty uh, a, a natural fit. And since then, we've engaged in all the activities of the of the foundation. You know, not just the, the school projects that Luther um, suggested and shifting to COVID. There's also been um, an ongoing uh, campaign to provide street lights for for the people of Belanger. But you know, our our goal is to get sustainability over there. So it's it's a long road, but you know, we we tackling those those issues one one step at a time. Very good. And I mean, that is one thing. Of course, we said Belanger Haiti, and uh, there was a reason for that. Okay. And so, Luther, tell them why we selected Belanger Haiti as, or why that was one of the uh, focal points for uh, the beginning of of our work there. The reason that I selected Billinger, Haiti, uh, my father was born in Billinger, Haiti, and that's where he grew up and that's where he loved so much. And And the people in Billinger, Haiti is basically is like family. And it's just a whole lot of people who want to progress. It's just they just don't have the mean and the support to help them to get to that next step. And so as I was there and I was watching and um and seeing different um, mission come through. And, and I, I wasn't seeing the progress being made. So at my daughter, and when she came and visited to Haiti one time, she said, you know what, we should start a, um, a foundation and help. And, and, and I thought about it and, and, and it, it came to me, it came to me and I just said, okay. Um, I realized this is something that I needed to do after I prayed about it. And God kind of showed me the uh, the path that I need to take, the route that I need to be on. And so that's when I named it after my father's name. My father's name is Chrysostom Francois. So that's why we um, named it Tome mm-hmm. Foundation to, to kind of give him the... Um, uh, the founder of the Tone Foundation to for people can understand the background of the Tone Foundation. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's wonderful because, you know, you saw a need, you know, it was an area that, that, uh, you know, your father was raised in, uh, you know, both you and uh, Gerard are of Haitian descent. And so, you know, to start uh, a foundation in an area that you're familiar with, that you've had opportunities to visit, 
you know, several times is, is definitely, you know, something that, that, you know, makes it tangible. It gives you skin in the game. So to, so to speak, it gives you an opportunity to say, okay, these are some things that I can do to help those who, you know, are, are a part of, like you said, your family, Right. And then you're able to go ahead and expand those services, you know, to other countries, but you start, you know, in your hometown first. And so I think that that's a wonderful thing to do and that you named it after your father. And, and I love the, the uh, acronym, you know, to offer more essentials because that's what we're seeking to do. And um, as Gerard said, you know, this, this was, uh, you know, something that you brought to our attention and we were excited to be able to, to, you know, jump on board and to be a part of the process, you know, and, and to be a part of being boots on the ground. So we, we have had opportunities to go there. And um, I want to give Gerard an opportunity to talk a little bit, like you said, about, um, first, let's talk, let's talk about the technical things first, because Jay has an IT background and was able to help in, in building uh, the website and also to building a map that's helping to... Um, you know, identify some of the spaces. So, so talk a little bit about the technical uh, portion of, of the Tone Foundation and things that we're doing there. Yeah, well, the technical um, portion, it's actually um, a large part of the organization. Um, in today's world, you know, in order to get the reach and the breath that you need to reach people and get resources efficiently and quickly, you need, you need some technology. You know, um, the, the way that you have to do it these days are there's a big social media presence out there where people engage with others socially. Um, especially now with the COVID kind of restricting some of our movements in person. Uh, some of the older ways we used to do things is, um, you know, physically directly talk to people, fundraising each other's um, physical presence. Now, you know, we have to reach out to some of the things like through websites, um, which I was able to help um, create and maintain. And, uh, and then we have the, the new technology as we're saying, well, our intentions is not only to, um, bring things that we, we have heard the people say they need, but we need to systemize those things. So like when our last campaign, when we went over, we did some back to school drive and we also had an event to come, you know, we always try to help um, the community in other ways, like through feeding them or giving them education about COVID and wellness and hand washing and face mask social distance. We were also able to see that in that same, um, um, time frame of that event, we were able to say that, huh, they're looking for lights. And that's something that uh, Luther spearheaded and started to bring is lighting to the, to the streets because um, in the rural areas, electricity is not normally provided. And a lot of things has to work off flashlights, battery operated sunlight. And so bringing street lights to the community is another technical project that we, we're having. So uh, you could probably see that there's going to be some components there that we need to, we need to have systems. So one of the things that came to mind was knowing our demographics, knowing how many people are in Belanger, knowing how many street poles are existing, where we can put lights, how to identify them, how to maintain them, how to project which ones are the next ones. It kind of led us to believe that we need some sort of mapping system. Um, so what we, what we decided to do was create a map. And in that map creation, um, it, 
it identifies in two ways. We needed a map to know our local area. That's one that Luther has been mainly creating because he knows the, the terrain of the land very well. So he can put those poles and those uh, markers and street lights that we have, the existing possibilities, that's on a map that's localized to us. Mm -hmm. um, but then also, we also identified, we need a real map presence as well. So I've been working on making sure that our presence of the foundation is, is able to be seen by the public. So we've increased our presence technically um, through Google Maps. So when you go on and you search for us, you can find us, you can see our pin, you can communicate with each other via the, the search tools and things like that and find and find us. So those are, that's the latest part of the technology, but ongoing, we're always going to need to keep our social presence. We're always going to need to keep our web, web website updated and, and reaching the most amount of people. And now we've implemented maps and that's, and that's just the beginning. When we start going into other things for the schools, we're going to need to keep track of what we do with the schools, not just on paper, but a, a way where the schools can tap into us and see what we have for them. And we can let them know what, what we can provide for them. So um, yeah. technology is a major, major component to what it's we do. It's a huge part. It's a huge part. Yes, exactly it's, it is. Yes, and I was gonna say, uh, you know, I'm gonna have you talk, Luther, a little bit more about you know, our boots on the ground efforts there and, and, and the uh, board members that we have uh, in in Haiti. But before we do that, I just wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, when we talk about mission work and we talk about going and helping, there's a lot behind the scenes that takes place. You know, we, we you know, during that time of pandemic, you know, we were, we, you know, we were intentional, intentional about making sure that, that, you know, we were doing those demographics, making sure that, that, you know, Google Maps was set up, that, that we had, a plan and, and a course of action for the things that we wanted to do, you know, regarding providing those essentials that we talk about. So like uh, Gerard said, it is a, a huge technology piece that has to, to transpire when you're talking about doing that. There's a lot behind the scenes and that's what many of the mission organizations are doing. There's a lot of behind the scenes. There is a lot of fundraising, things that we were not able to physically go out and do, but that technology has been able to provide for us, you know, has given us, you know, has moved us to social me media, has moved us to, uh, you know, other avenues such as this one, where we can advertise and talk about the importance of, of the work that still needs to be done. Because even though the pandemic has hit, it doesn't mean that we still don't have places that are in need. They're still in need and, and, and more so because of the fact that the pandemic hit. So as Luther said, you know, going in and bringing thermometers into that area so that temperatures can be checked, setting up hand washing stations and things of that nature, providing, uh, you know, literature in, in um, Creole and Haitian Creole said so it can be understood, just making sure that we're bringing education to those areas. So like I said, we talk about that. Now I want Luther to talk a little bit about being boots on the ground because Luther goes there several times a year and, you know, we talked about the lighting and the type of lighting that we're talking about is solar panel lighting, because as Gerard indicated, you know, they, they don't have, they have limited electricity there. And so, you know, they're going to get a lot of their power to be able to have lights there in areas that are dark because they're rural areas. 
that that technology is needed, that lighting is needed. And so, you know, solar power has been the way to go. So talk a little bit, Luther, about um, boots on the ground, the things that you're doing as you go there and the uh, members of the board that we have there in Haiti. Okay, um, just to piggyback back on the, the solar panel light, when we had an event back, and I believe that was in August, uh, you was there and, and Gerard was there, and we did a survey. We asked the people what did they want, and everybody said they wanted lights. So once they said that, and because, you know, um, we have lights and we take benefit of lights here in the U.S. and we, we get electricity. But you have to think Haiti don't have 24-hour light system. So if, if, um, if, if they don't have lights and, and you know, uh, when, um, when daylight saving time come, you know, it get dark early. So people is in their home around four o'clock and locked doors because no light, no electricity. And um, most people don't want to be out because it's too dark. So what we started doing, we started, um, Kim donated uh, um, a couple of solar panel lights, Rod donated a couple, I donated a couple. So we started installing them here in, um, in Bellinger, Haiti. So we try to hit the key point where, where it was mostly important that um, where safety was very, um, very important. Um, we try to put the, um, the most important spots where it was more, uh, uh, more safe for the people who's going into their home or uh, and where it was a dark spot where we just wanted to have a little clearage where people can be safe coming back from, from town, coming back home. So we've been doing that and we're still in progress in doing that. And right now, um, since this election and they've been given a little electricity from a, for a short period of time, they still don't have electricity 24 hours, but now with the uh, bulbs that they, um, the, the, the electricity pole that they have there, they don't have light bulbs. And then the people of the town have to purchase the light bulb and the light bulb that they use is not the proper light bulb. So they don't last long. So we have to bring some from the US to take down there but we can give some very clear light bulb to light up the street. And, and when, when they stop giving electricity, they have the solar panels. Right. So, and, another, and, and when I go there and it's not just only solar panels and um, helping with the school system, and you know, not everybody have running water. Mm. So what's happening is they have a well and most people have to go to this well and get water, take back to their home for they can wash, for they can take bathe and, and you know, do cleaning. And this is how they commute, commute water. And um, when I first was there, um, the pump was broken and so I took the initiative and, um, and had some people and we fixed the pump. And, and before that, they had to walk um, a quarter of a mile to go get water to bring back to their house. Right, and, now, now, and then the water is, is, not, is not drinking water. It's, it's not drinking water, water no. Yeah. It's not drinking water. This is just for bathing, washing, and, and this is what it's good for. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, some people do take the advantage and drink it, but, you know, if you would try to drink that, Kim, you probably get sick, you know, so it wouldn't be good for us. But um, like when I'm there, I have to buy water to cook with and drink. So we want to change a lot of that. 
and we can't do that by ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's why we're looking for donors. We're looking for volunteers. Um, hands on, come down and see what's happening and see how can you help be part of uh, our dream in, in helping Belanger. And not only Belanger, there's other countries having the same issue. And we just want to spread our help and, and support to all these different countries in, in poverty that's going through these different issues. So uh, I think this is my calling that God gave me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm, I'm going to be 50 years old in June 26. And I said, the next 50 years, I want to do my service, giving God the rest mm-hmm. of my life and doing the things that he need me to do. If this is what it is, this is what I'm going to do. And, and I'm just so happy that God has blessed me with you, um, Kim, because you've been a, a very great um, support and, and been helping and been a real dedicated to the foundation and doing all what you can to support the people in Bellinger Haiti. And I commend you for that. And I just want to say thank you. And same to Gerard. And I know we wouldn't have, a, I wouldn't be able to do none of this without Gerard and you. And I just want to say thank you, God, for blessing me with you all. I appreciate that. You know, we love you more than anything. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> you know, we do. And, and, and that's it. You know, you're passionate about what it is that you, that you do. And, and, and we want to make sure that, that we continue in that vein and that we don't let the fact that this pandemic has taken place, keep us away from the things that we can do to help others. Now I mentioned that we, that we have a uh, board we have a we have board members that are in Haiti and yes. and they are our boots on the ground. So talk a little right. bit about the about the the people who we have there in Haiti. Okay. So when I went to Haiti, um, I know we could not just have a foundation here in the U.S. with without without having nobody there who's letting us know what's happening, what's going on, what the people need, and what we need to attack, and what's the vision to um, what, which way to approach. So what I did is I started looking at people and talking to people and seeing where they heart at. And that was very important to know where a person heart at. Um, if their heart is in the right place, they would be a perfect match. And, and I got some tremendous people there. Um, I got five uh, people. I got Gaspar and I have uh, Polo and I have um, uh, Babo. And I have um, uh, Fane and I have Richard. Uh, Richard replaces father, um, Fatimine. He had passed away um, not too long ago, you know. Um, and it's, it's a sad thing, but we you know we just, we, we blessed that we, um, he's, before he passed, he wanted his son to take his position and continue um, the dream. So I just want to say, so ever since we've been, um, they have, Board, um, board uh, committee meeting uh, twice a month, and, and we they report, and sometimes I join in in the meeting and see what's happening and what we need to do, and um, what's our next mission, and how we're going to tackle it, and how we can solve some of the things that we need to solve. And the last thing that we did um, when we was in Haiti, me and the committee, we fed the homeless, and uh, and that was a good thing. You know, we didn't know it was a homeless. Um, place it's not in Belanger, but it's in uh, in the it's like a in the place inside but yeah mm-hmm. it's the next town over it's called Kabaga and this is where most of the homeless people are at and they need our help you know mm-hmm. and they in need of a lot of things and you know so it's just it's been difficult wow. um, if you don't have the um the passion of 
going to a, a third world country without lights and without water and, you know, and just be able to um, put everything that you used to in the United States aside and right. just have a mental mind saying you come in to help and, and meet these people where they at to help them the best way you can. And, you know, and, and leave knowing that you made a difference. Right. That go a long way. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. And I mean, uh, before the pandemic hit, we were scheduled to uh, to go to Haiti and they had shut everything down. We were not able yeah. to go. And, uh, you know, we, we had to wait several months before before things opened back up for us to be able to go. And that's important to talk about, too, because, of course, you know, you're talking about traveling, you're talking about COVID, you're talking about the risks. And there were a lot of things that we had to do before we were able to go. We had to make sure that we had COVID tests and that we yeah. had to have them within a certain length of time before we were able to, to go. And, and, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were safe and we wanted to make sure that we were not bringing anything or carrying anything over into those areas because the area where Bellinger is, is is out in a more rural area. So they were not as, they were not exposed. And so we had to really make sure that, that we were not bringing anything into those areas and putting people at risk. So yeah. that was a difficult thing, you know, going there. But um, Joanne, I wanted to ask you, cause you know, we were able to, to finally go in August and we did an event where where we fed uh, a lot of the families, we were still giving out masks during that time and also doing the campaign for um, the backpacks and what have you. And so talk a little bit about how the experience was for you. I mean, we've been to Haiti a couple of times prior to, but what, what was that experience like doing that event and doing it under the umbrella of the Tome Foundation? Yes, like you were, like you were saying, um, we've been to Haiti a few times, so we came with a little bit of uh, inf expectation of what to expect. Uh, but Haiti, just like in most any place in the world, uh, is going to have areas that are completely different. Um, you know, oftentimes from the from the media and things for people who haven't been to Haiti, you know, you might get the the depiction that uh, Haiti is just always impoverished and everything is just um, wow, well, there's always a lot lower standards than we have here in the U.S. However, there are areas in the in the capital and in other places that are just as lavish, five-star hotels and things like that. Um, fortunately for us, um, our Lutheranized families, we come a little bit of the outskirts of the big city. And so we're more familiar with the rural nature of things. Like Luther explained, there's um, sometimes lack of running water, lack of electricity. Some of these common places we find here in the U.S. are not so readily available. So with that being said, I had a, a, a pretty good foundation of expectations. However, um, when it comes to service, it's totally different. Um, you come with the mindset of, I'm not going there to um, quote, like we say, just chilling in the area. You're coming to work. And then you're, and you're coming to give and you're coming to, to learn and give feedback and, and, and provide and receive information. And so what I've found from the backpack um, drive and experience is that you hear that people are in need, but then when you see the people or you go, get in their presence, 
it becomes real personal. Um, to know that there are children that don't have the resources is one thing, but to see them in school sharing a textbook or sharing a pencil, now it, it got really real, real fast. Mm -hmm. And so the, the ability to be able to provide these backpacks at that event um, knew that we, we, we were able to make a difference in the lives of some children as far as just getting their schoolwork done. And then one of the videos that we've made, because we, we, we periodically make videos that we post online to keep people abreast of what we're doing. One of them was um, how COVID affected the lives of people. And with social distancing, schools in Haiti, even though they weren't that exposed, it's believed that the COVID numbers are very, very low, um, almost undetectable in, in those rural areas. But even so, they started to make precautions and they shut schools down. So if you could imagine that um, before they were sharing a pencil in the classroom, now if they have to work from home or have remote learning, which is no technology for that, so you just kind of got to send the kid home and hope he does and hope he does some work, uh, how the textbooks were shared, the resources, the pencils, the paper, what are what are they doing? And so it was it was a very great experience to be able to say, okay, well now at least we know if we send them with um, with some flashcards and we send them with pencils and paper, you know, if there was something that was told to them to do, at least they have a chance. They have a chance to do it. And so that experience is completely different. And I would challenge anybody um, if they're going someplace, put aside. Um, as Luther said, put aside what you what you think you know here, uh, and and meet people at where they are. If they if they need a pencil, give them a pencil. If you have it, if not, let's see how we can get hold to it. Um, it's not something that we have to feel pity on them because they're they're very proud people. But yet we know from what we have here in the U.S., we can help them, and and it doesn't have to be hands out because they want to help. When we have the drives, we're one of the big things that we're tackling now with our future drives is how to organize the help. It, in other words, it's not a bunch of impoverished people just standing around looking for a handout. We have more people jumping in, wanting to wanting to do. So we have to have systems in place there, and and it, and it's um, it's humbling. Uh, it's not overwhelming. It's 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 definitely an eye opener. Will you get through it? Absolutely. Is it tough sometimes? Yes. Is it fun? Yes. It's it, it's all these things wrapped up into once. But but to answer your question, the difference between just going there and then actually being there of service is that you you get you get really personal. We learned a lot of the children's names. We took photos with them, learned their names. We want to connect with these children and, and the people individually. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of background context, we're not talking about a lot of people here. Where we started, uh, the city of Belanger is expected to have only about 6,000 residents there. So we feel we can touch each and every one of them. Each and every one of those 6,000 people can get something from us, whether it's a kind word or, 
or a meal or education or a resource. And, and we feel we can do, we can do that. So I encourage again, everybody to come out and then, then you know, we're going to be pushing for volunteers soon. So you'll, you'll hear a lot more of us <laughs> in the near future. Yes. That's awesome, baby. And that, exactly. You know, it, it is, it is a humbling experience. It is something that's different. You know, uh, like I said, Gerard and, and uh, Luther are of Haitian descent. I am African-American, born here in the States. And so, yes, it was, it was an eye-opener. It was something different for, for me going into a country that I was unfamiliar with and, and learning the culture and, and, and understanding, you know, that there, there was a difference. There's a little bit of a language barrier. I don't speak the language, so I have to rely on, uh, you know, Luther and um, Gerard to translate for me. But, you know, the, the thing that is universal is always love, a smile, a fist bump at this point, because we can't hug the way we want to. But those types of things, people know when you care and they can see it in your eyes. They can see it in your mannerisms. And so there's a lot that, that we learn as we, as we go into different areas. But like, I, I, you know, I want to keep reiterating that, you know, in this time of pandemic, it has been difficult because you want to make sure that people are safe. You want to make sure that you are not bringing anything into areas that may affect the people. So it's important to know what's going on, to know the expectation as we are continuing to travel. And we plan to travel again um, in June. Uh, Luther and uh, Gerard will be traveling back and then I will be joining them again in August. And I'm going to have uh, Luther talk a little bit about what we'll be doing, uh, you know, in the next couple of months. But just being aware of, you know, what the what is required of us as we travel, and we know that, you know, uh, we have been, uh, myself and, and Jamad have had our first and second vaccinations, and you know, we still are required to to, you know, do COVID tests coming and going now, and that's something that's different. So we're just making sure that we're taking all of the precautions that we need to take to make sure that. The people that we are going to help are safe and that, you know, we're not doing anything to compromise their health or, or, or anything that's going on in their area. So I just wanted to make sure that, that we were clear on that because when we talk about mission work, we wanted to make sure that we're providing those essentials, but that we are not putting any of the people that we are serving in any type of danger. And so with that being said, I wanted to give Luther an opportunity to talk a little bit about what we have upcoming uh, in August. Kim, um, before I go into that, I just wanted to mention something. Um, yeah, it's a little off uh, subject. Um, I was visiting my grandchildren um, last mm -hmm. week, and my son and his um, uh, fiance uh, decided to take their son to the park, mm -hmm. and 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 you know, take him to the park, take him to the swing, and and I'm watching my grandson play. And I'm saying, okay, this is beautiful. And same thing that I did with my kids when they was growing up, take them to the park, ride the bike. And a lot of Americans do that. Right. And the thing about Haiti, they don't, and Billinger, Haiti, they don't have a park, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't, uh, I watch these kids make kite out of plastic bag with sticks and string up it to use that as a toy. Or they'll take a, 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 a what's this? A, a gallon of milk, uh, a can, and turn it into a car. And these are the things that, you know, they, they fascinate me how, how creative they get to have something to play with. 
and, and, and this is something that I've been talking about also that I wanted to put a park in Belanger, mm -hmm. somewhere where they can go play basketball, somewhere they can get on the swing and swing and go on the, on the slide. You know, these are the things that um, these rural uh, places lack of. And we have maybe every uh, three or four miles from our home is a park, is a slide somewhere near you that you can just go and, and take your son or your grandchildren wow. to the park and play. This country, this place, no, is that they don't have that. And, and this is something that I wanted to implement to them and, and bring to the community and, and so they can have something a little different um, to see instead of, you know, just, just standing and trying to figure out what they can do, right. they have somewhere they can meet and spend time with their parents. But getting back to um, uh, the event that we have in, in um, August, well, in June, Jirai and me will be going to, um, We'll be going to um, prepare ourselves for the stuff that we need to bring for August. And August, we have no wellness fair. And we will be giving out backpack and taking um, temperature um, for the parents and, 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 and taking their blood pressure and, and, and get, let, keeping them aware about high blood pressure and, and different um, things about um, to, to keep better maintain of themselves and what to look out for. And, um, and also for the kids and get them ready for the, um, the new fiscal year. And that's starting in, in, in September. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's in August. And we want to make that an annual thing where we go every year and make sure, get them ready to go back to school, maybe having a wellness fair, a little physical, make sure that they're on the right path. Everybody is staying healthy. Their parents are staying healthy, you know, because, you know, they don't have clinics there. Now, uh, the, uh, the major hospital is in Port-au-Prince. That's miles, miles away. And the clinics that they have there, it might be in someone's home. Right. You know, I remember that I had an accident on moped. They took me to someone's home and, and I had scraped and the person who was driving me on the moped had bruises and everything. Only thing they did was just clean it up with peroxide and send us home. <laughs> you know, right. it wasn't no, it wasn't a clinic. It was just a self-serve, you know, uh, somebody home, you know, but we, we would like to change that. We want to make, we want to make a difference in that community. And we want to, uh, and the more people we get involved, the more that we can do. Right. And I think that's awesome. And just like you said, we, we're going to be doing a wellness fair there. And, and it is about education and it is about doing, you know, a uh, little minor, um, you know, physicals that we can do to help with, like I said, blood pressure checks and, and checking for diabetes and things of that nature. And, and it does, it requires people to step in and we have some doctors and nurses, people who are um, going to be able to come in and assist in that effort. And um, so those things are, are, are critical, you know, volunteerism is critical. And the one thing that I want to talk about that's important is uh, that volunteerism piece because we want to make sure that, uh, you know, when we have volunteers coming at, there are certain stipulations. So, you know, if you're looking at, at being a volunteer and you're looking at helping out with mission work and talking about doing things outside of the country that, you know, uh, like we do at the Tone Foundation, just making sure that people are taking, you know, taking, doing, you know, doing their due diligence, making sure that we're educating them about the area that they're going in. 
that we're talking about the things that they'll need as they are entering this area. And the one thing, Joanne, I'll have you speak to a little bit is about the the uh, idea of of you know safety there because a lot of people are hearing things. You know, they may hear things about Haiti right now. They are you know having some issues with uh, you know that are some political issues that are taking place in in Port-au-Prince, and you know there are people who are a little nervous about the things that are going on. And, and it's about making sure that you educate people who are willing to volunteer about things that are going on in the area and making sure that you're easing their, you know, that you're easing their minds about things like that. So talk just a little bit, sweetheart, about the, um, about the, uh, you know, safety issues or the things that, you know, can come about. Yes. Um, when it comes to volunteering, um, the, Although you may believe that the goal is to provide help for the people, and that is true, that is the goal. Um, however, in the background, in order for that help to be well received and to be effective, you have to have a lot of pieces in place. One of the number one things that that has to occur is the safety of yourself as volunteers and the people you're helping. Um, so what we do, uh, we take that very seriously because um, not just uh, regular safety as everybody should be um, aware of and focused on, Haiti has a couple of things going on. One, there is always for the past couple decades, some sort of political unrest or financial distress or like an earthquake of uh, uh, environmental distress. Haiti has some challenges. And so what we always want to focus on is making sure we let the people know what are the most important things of today. Um, in the media, especially what we get here in the West um, is a lot of the, I, I, how else can I put it, the negative media of what's going on as far as um, the political instability, the, the personal security issue, you might hear about some sort of political battle or back and forth, or you'll hear about some personal security issues like kidnapping or something like that. Do these problems exist? Of course they do. Um, however, um, we have two advantages um, or several advantages. Number one, where we're going to volunteer, we, we're in the rural areas where most um, incidents do, do not occur. Um, the, the areas where we're receiving news here in the US are areas where, where the hotbeds are. Almost, um, if I were to give you an example, same with here in the United States, um, crime exists. Um, does it happen in your neighborhood? It can but does it happen all the time? The things you see on the news are not the things that are necessarily happening in the area you are. When we had in the, here in the US, when we had um, racial violence, probably wasn't exactly in your town. When we had political uprisings in the capital and things, probably wasn't in your town. Um, when you have police shootings or muggings and things like that, probably not happening right where you are. And so we wanna keep that in front of people that although things do occur, the number one thing is that they are at that moment, not so much happening where we are. So that's, that's the first good. It's not as prevalent as you may think, but does that change the fact that you have to have security? 
No, it does not change that fact. So what do we have in place? We have in place one, um, familiarity with the people there. As I mentioned earlier, there's only about 6,000 people in the area of Belanger. We know most of them. And so that helps as well. Then we also have members of our, of our board or affiliated with us who has direct connections with um, city government and can ensure us some security forces. Um, so that allows us to have professional security whenever we're, we're in, in town with, with our crews. Um, also, another thing that we're implementing we're implementing the, the concept of our maps. We're designing our maps ourselves. We're putting local um, landmarks on the maps. So if we do get into um, an area that um, for some strange reason, we may need to be as not as familiar with, we at least have a guide onto where we are, what to be cautious of. And, and, another, and adding to that, we also, we also have, um, uh, location uh, familiarity of our surroundings because not just because of the map like you can look at a map where you are but we'll know where we are we'll know how to move around because that's very important just like anything anywhere um, knowing your surroundings knowing who you're with knowing your own personal and local safety is going to be your best best resource um, and then if we take other precautions it might be long to go in here but we read down to how we move around, who we move around with, when we move around, where we're going to go. Um, all of these things are well mapped, mapped out so that way we're not catching any surprises as much as, as, much as possible. Um, as far as the actual trip itself, we're, we're taking checklists and precautions on how to move around in this COVID environment how to move around at the airport, the transportation to and from locations. Um, we're pretty much take, holding back on nothing to make sure that safety is not going to be the thing, the first thing on, on your mind. Um, we want you to be able to look at all the beautiful trees and all the wildlife that's there, um, immerse with the people, try and figure out what he's saying to you and back and forth. We want that to be your experience. And what we'll be doing in the Tone Foundation in the background is making sure that we're operating in a bubble and that uh, we've already laid out a well-planned, well-oiled system and groundwork to make sure that people don't don't run into any problems that's going to prevent them from having the best experience that they that they can have. I absolutely so. love that. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And uh, Luther, like I said, just just uh, you know, I know that you, you're very passionate, very passionate about about the foundation and the work that uh, that we're doing. And um, again, just talk a little bit, you know, as we start to wrap things up. Talk a little bit about the future. What do what do you see? What what is your hope that that uh, you know will happen as as we continue to do the work there and beyond? Well, the future. Um, well, I want to be able to uh, build a location for the Tone Foundation where people can get trained, be educated, um, training where they can be self sufficient and learn how to uh, make an earning and, and, and provide for their family. Educational uh, trades, where they can use that trade 
to continue to pro make progress in life. And even if they decided to come to the United States, they can use that trade to make a living. So we want to educate them and we want to bring them to, to a new level that they, um, they're not familiar with. And, you know, most, most of the time when I go to Haiti, as we have, like Gerard says, technology is so advanced here in the United States. And then when you go to Haiti, some of the volunteer will see, they see a person using a handsaw to cut a wood. Or instead of using um, uh, a pipe wrench to loosen a pipe, they might, might use something that you wouldn't believe, you know? And, and it's, just, it's just amazing. They, they use what they have and like we have um what's that uh um ilty that that um drill into the ground you'll see a guy making gravel out of stone sitting there chipping away the stone to make gravel you know how long that takes yes and this is this what this is what he do to feed his family and i know it's another technique you know the technology they have now, you put a stone in there, it turns into gravel in less than a minute. Right. And and this guy is chipping away stone to make gravel. Right. And you know, and this is this is what's happening. And and we want to update them and we want to give them training about safety. They take a lot of chances that if OSHA would have saw that, they probably got terminated. <laughs> but you know, it's just it's just they take things because they don't know right. and they have to be educated about safety because they they family count on them to go out to make a living and they have to take the precaution if they're climbing a tree you know and um painting a house on a ladder holding one one with one arm and paint with right. the other right. you know these are things that they need to be educated on, but they won't get hurt. And, 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 and that's what I'm looking for the future, having a location, having volunteers, educating them about safety, educating about um, different trades that they can learn to uh, learn how to farm better, make better crops, and also a trade of uh, land ceramic or brick layers. You know, whatever that we have, uh, access to uh, volunteers to even if we if, if the future bring that we have certain people with certain um, skills right. that's why when we're looking for our volunteer we're looking at what type of skill that they have that they can bring and help these people and and, and teach them you know and that's what and that's and that's that's what we want to do that's what I'm looking at for the yeah. future not here only in Haiti either you know we want to take that to other country also Absolutely. And I love that you said that. Yes, yeah, about sustainability and, yeah. and and giving people the tools that they need to to not only be assisted, but to, to be able to take what they've learned and use that to continue to right. to, uh, you know, maintain and sustain the things that that, you know, we can bring to assist. And that's something that's so important. Now, I know we're running, uh, we're running close on time, but you know, I want to first thank you guys for coming on and for talking about the Tone Foundation and for talking about the importance of mission work and, and safety and, and uh, you know, that there are a lot of steps and a lot of things that, that have to take place in order for, for uh, you know, us to be able to do the work that we do and that it's tedious work and that it's continuous work. 
And so, you know, I want to say thank you, Luther, for for, you know, your vision and your mission uh, to want to do these things for for Bellinger, for Haiti and and abroad. And, and I know that as time goes on, you will reach those goals and, and God will find favor in all that it is that you're seeking to do for for those who you want to provide those essentials for. So I thank you for that. But thank you for inviting me. No, hi, my pleasure, my pleasure. Okay, now the one thing that I ask all of my guests before before we leave is, what are some things that you are doing to live in the now? As you're navigating, as you're here, I know that Luther, you're in Chicago, we're here in Atlanta, but what are some things that you are doing personally to live in the now? Well, um, here, you know, uh, basically uh, I, I meditate, and and trying to keep a peace of mind and and keep my mind focused and um and and i pray and you know god been leading me in the right path and he's been taking me through a journey and and i've been blessed with that and i just thank him for allowing this vessel to be used as he wants to yeah. and um and and and, and 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 most of the time when i'm not you know, dedicating my time to God and meditating. Um, I'm at work. Uh, I work at uh, for a company that outsource at a facility, and and I do mechanical maintenance there. And that's what I do. And um, and when when time permit, I do enjoy golfing. Uh -huh. uh, but you know, <laughs> so much time, so much time in a day, I haven't had time to golf so much because I've been focusing on the foundation and so hopefully time will change and I get a lot of time for myself. Yes and then I just want those who are, are able to see this uh, visually you know he's got those guns working okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not oh, talking about physical I, guns. Yeah, I, work, I work out a lot. I, mean, I, I was surprised yeah, you, you brought that up. Yeah <laughs> I do work out a lot. That's when I talk Other about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I talk about the vessel, the sanctuary, you know, I have to maintain it. So, you know, I I get up two thirty in the morning, work out, and and yes, and, and try to keep it in shape, and um, to continue to do God's work because He's yeah, He's blessing me with this. So I, I just got to keep doing, it. giving me the motivation, giving me the courage, and giving me the strength. I give Him the praise. Yes, yes. Like I told, I just had to, I had to, you know, I had to tease him about that. But I love, you know, he got the guns. He works out. Okay. So, you know, don't sleep on him. <laughs> all right. All right. And of course, I asked, asked my, 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 uh, do I, do I say better half? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, but you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's about right. That's, that's about, about right. right. <laughs> He said, that's about right. All right, Doc, what are some things that you do to live in the now? Besides, you know, having such a wonderful wife to take care of. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, actually, um, I've just started to try to live in the now. Uh, I've been under the impression that uh, I'm a workaholic. So I like to always stay busy. I'm always working. When you catch me, he's working, he's busy, he's this. And I think what I've led myself to believe in the past is that through hard works, you know, you'll succeed and things like that. And then I had to kind of take a step back and say, well, what is the success? Uh, I've kind of not 
paid attention to them now. Um, and I've always been saying, work, work, work for the future, work for the future, work for the future. But one thing that I've come to realize is that uh, when you're working hard, you get certain things. When you're not working hard, so things still sometimes happen, whether you're working or not. And so um, I've taken time now through um, the constant pleas of friends and family, even my doctor, definitely my wife, to, 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 to do things now, you know, for, for yourself. If um, one of the, I like to listen to a lot of self-help motivational speak, speakers and, and definitely love self-help books and things like that. But one of the most profound things I've heard recently um, is, an, uh, is someone who was talking about how to measure time how to measure time and events as, a as opposed to time. If you start looking at things, um, and I'll just share it with you, if you start looking at things and how often those things will occur as opposed to the time it took for those to occur, you'll see it's a different perspective. If you look at like, um, uh, for those who know my history, I've lost both my parents in the past few years, just recently lost an uncle. And if somebody were to tell me that, uh, well, you got five years left with them. You say, okay, I got five years, that's pretty short. But then if you looked at it like in those five years, you may only see them twice a year. You only got 10 visits left. Totally, totally different. Totally different if you see you're only gonna see somebody 10 times or if you're thinking you're gonna see them for the next five years, whether it's a friend, a family, a loved one. So, I'm, so what I'm doing now is, is I'm allowing myself to make sure that I make events. You know, when the kids want something to do, let's do it. You know, if um, I allow Luther to try and call me every morning to work out now, <laughs> you know, because my health is important for <laughs> to me. That's right. You know, I gotta enjoy the times I have with the ones that I love and, and, and the work for some reason, the work just always seems to be here. So I might as well take the time to make sure that the events that I do, the things that I do makes a difference in, in, in the future, but I do them now, not plan, 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 plan for the future and nothing's occurring now. And I'm not just talking about fun times, I'm talking about any time. Um, the, the trip for, to Haiti this June, I was on the fence on should I go? And then, um, then I started thinking, what else did I do? Just going to be working. So let's go and make a real difference somewhere else. Um, th that'll stay in my mind. The events will be solid for me. I will have advanced other things way more than I will if I just do what I do on a daily, um, the construction related tasks that I do now. So um, that's my how now. Trying to look at every single thing as an event. As a, when I go outside, it's an event. It's not just something to do. Um, this may, life is short, don't want to be gloom and doom, but this may be the last time I can do this event. Not because I pass, maybe that event no longer occurs. Um, uh, and I know we're wrapping up, but it, it started hitting from me a, a little while back. Last year was challenging. A lot of the things that we took for granted going outside, you know, I have several children and one of them didn't get a chance to graduate. Not only did, and it wasn't just the fact that she didn't get a chance to graduate in a ceremony with her peers. What was a little bit more rough to me on that was that when they announced that they were closing things for COVID, they shut them down. I mean, it was email, we're not opening the school back up. We'll give you the date when you can pick your stuff up out of your dorm or out of your location. 
Right. And I thought to me like, wow, that's rough. How about if you had a good friend from two or three years right. in school and at graduation, you were going to have fun or, you know what, I'll get her number next, next week in class before we graduate. Right. Now there's no more contact with these people that, right. that you used to see every week. Right. right. <laughs> and that's right. not death. Right. That's just you lost contact. Right. Yeah. You know, same with the things right. here. You know, suppose I go outside tomorrow to go do something and the job is gone or the location is closed or the person moved or God forbid we get sick, ill or pass. So, so right. I'm just, I'm just, but it's just to make a matter, like you said, it's a matter of being intentional about the things it's that intentional. you do. It's being everything intentional. I do now, make sure I stop. It's, it's the cliche, stop and smell the roses. It's true. Right. Right. Just look outside. Look how beautiful it is. If you just going, 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 and you don't pay attention to that, you'll miss it. That's, exactly. what, I'm, that's what I'm doing for now. That's it. And these are words of wisdom. And I think that that those are things that are important for us to remember as we're as we're living in this now. That we're living in the moment, and that we're doing things that are going to help to to uh, you know fill our cups to a point of overflow. So that. Again, as I as I keep saying, and I'll keep saying it, so that we're pouring for a cup from a cup of overflow, so that it flows into the next person, but it still leaves enough for us, so that we can all make a toast to our victories together. Because neither none of us are at a point of depletion; we're at a point of being able to fulfill and sustain for each other. And with that, I want to say thank you again for joining me, uh, guys. You know, I love you. To my whole heart, I thank my husband, Jamar, for being here. I thank my cousin, Luther, for being here. I love you guys. I love the work that we're continuing to do together. And I pray that we'll always continue to do those things together to provide those essentials. But before we go, I want to make sure that we give people a way in which to contact you or to contact us. And that will be by going to our website. And that is www.thetomefoundation.com. And I'll make sure that I put that in, in our comments section or in our description. When you go back and listen to the show, you'll be able to, to go to our website and gain information, find out about volunteerism, find out about the things that we're doing, take a couple of, uh, you know, take a look at a couple of the, the photos that we've taken from our previous trips. And also, Luther, give them the phone number for the Tone Foundation. It's 708 922 uh wow you know i haven't really uh <laughs> <laughs> caught me off guard that kim you know it's, it's not so, like it's all the time that uh that i you know call yourself right 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 <laughs> all right gerard had the rest of it hold on you said 708 yeah but it's 708-277-9222 all right 708 say one more time 708 yeah 277-9222 9222. Okay. And again, yeah. it's www.thetomefoundation.com. And with that, I, that will wrap up this week's edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. And until we see you all the next time, I say peace. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>